Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and we are digging into my message from Sunday, which was all about the movie Encanto, all about spiritual gifts, gifts of the flesh, and how we live in the light of our giftedness. So let's get into it. Sounds good. I liked your opening story. Thanks. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Everyone's been in that situation. Yes. Yep. That was not the only time I felt that way in that class, but, you know, it was... A very interesting. It was a very interesting group of people, and a lot of us have grown a lot since then. Just gonna put that out there. But like, we were assigned to do two field education um, opportunities um, with uh, this class, and for one of them, I did furniture mission with my youth group. Um, the other one, I just did um, just being at the church and doing the things I was doing as a volunteer. Um, but a friend of mine was like, yeah, "I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna stay un- unhoused for two nights." I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to go be a part of the Union Gospel Mission. Not like, not, not like serve there, but just like be a part of it. And just like be homeless wow. for two nights. And it's just like, I would have never thought of that at all. No. Because when I heard field ed and then in this professional ministries class, I heard, you know, go bug pastor Steve. Mm-hmm. Is really what I heard because Steve would have been the pastor there at, the, at that time yet still at Southern Hills. And so mm-hmm. that's what I kind of did. <laughs> You know, and so we lined up this opportunity to serve with with furniture mission. It was it real be. sketch, and like <laughs> they sent us to this house of these very obviously Muslim people, and it's just like we put a Bible in everything. We're not putting a Bible in everything. That's not okay. Like, no, yeah, no. <laughs> We're going to be respectful, and mm-hmm. that and shoving a Bible in someone's furniture when they are very obviously Muslim people. Like, it's, that's not okay. So we went ahead and skipped that part. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, a smart idea. Yeah, yep. But it was just, you know, it was so sketch. Like, sh- the, the family didn't speak English. We did not speak their language. It was just real weird. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That had to be a real challenge. It was not fun. But we made a hell of a paper, I guess. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was... Really interesting to hear how people interpreted that assignment and what they did as a result of it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what was the kid's experience being homeless for two days? Do you remember? He did. He just slept in a park. Um, he did not get busted by the authorities at all because um, the parks technically close at eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he was able to avoid it and was able to get a hot meal and like actually just talk and engage with you know, other, other clients in a way that wouldn't have happened if you would have been serving, mm-hmm. you know, cause the thing about, I mean, it can happen so easily at places like the banquet or places like, um, union gospel mission, where if you're serving, there's such a disconnect that power mm-hmm. dynamic is so off of like, I am the one serving you the food rather than we're in this together. Mm-hmm. And so Dave had this very much more, intimate experience of saying you know hey tell me your story how do how do you make it through you know because you know not that dave is going to be living unhomed for quite some time but he at least knows more of their story than than any of us so Mm -hmm. yeah wow that's pretty powerful Mm -hmm. he has a lot more guts than i do same Mm -hmm. yes no it was a good it was a good class for sure yeah. Mm-hmm. What else do you want to talk about gifts? That's one of the implicit things uh, is that there is a difference between like spiritual gifts and gifts of the, of the flesh. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the Philippians passage was very much about gifts of the flesh. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's necessarily a one-to-one correlation between spiritual gifts and the gifts that were given in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Why do you think we are so quick? So let's, if we're talking about gifts of the flesh right now, mm-hmm. obviously God-given gifts. Yep. Why do you think we are so quick to look at our gifts and look at people around us and look at their gifts and our gifts are never as good as theirs? Right. Or we, we either go two ways. We either we're not even close to the other person or they're way, we're way better than them. Right. Why is it always so extreme one way or the other in our mm-hmm. brains, do you think? I just think that that is such a product of just, I mean, I think that's a product of our society. The world outside of the church just... In, so ingrains that mentality in us that either we are not good enough and we need to buy XYZ product mm-hmm. or we are too good and those other people can't even touch us. And mm-hmm. they, 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 it's such a, such a weird, you know, a weird dichotomy that happens where, sure. you know, where the world just prizes the best and the bright and the beautiful and simultaneously wants us to think that we are but also that we're not, you know, in certain areas, they want us to think that we're the best and the brightest and the, and the most beautiful that, you know, and especially that if we buy their product, you know, then we'll, then we'll really look like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or that we have some unattainable, you know, standard that we'll never possibly live up to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that creeps into just who we are as people. And so it does happen even in the church where we can look at someone's spiritual giftings and just say, well, I'm more valuable than they are, so I should get X, Y, Z. Or, like you said, the other extreme is, well, I can't dot, 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 so I'll never dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never fit in. I'll never be good enough. I'll never earn God's love. And, like, those things are just so just contrary to the gospel and contrary to what Paul's trying to teach the Philippians because he was de- because the Philippian church was dealing with, again, with the Judaizers that we talked about a few months ago. Um, and really they're unavoidable when you're talking about Paul's ministry because they're just so constantly there. Mm-hmm. And Paul has to warn them, beware of the dogs, beware of those that mutilate themselves. He's talking about circumcision. And then beware, and, and in, the same, you know, in, in the same breath, he says, beware of those that take their confidence in the flesh. You know, they're saying that they're so far beyond. They've so transcended the gospel that they know that the real truth is that you have to be circumcised and you have to follow, you know, the letter of the law and be more, like I've said before, be more Jewish in your faith. Mm -hmm. And if you're not like that, then you are less than. Yeah, and that and that's why Paul is reacting so vehemently to that, especially in the book letter to the Philippians, where he just says, "Look, if they want to set themselves up as some kind of super uber duper Christian, I've got more. Mm-hmm. I've got more of it than they've got. If they want to act like they're up here, I'm up here. You know." And, he, and then he runs through the things that that set him apart that he is born of the uh, born of the Israelites and can trace his lineage to the tribe of Benjamin that he was circumcised in accordance with the law on the eighth day. He was a Pharisee. He was a persecutor of the church. And then he just, he builds that to tr- just to topple it. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. To say, look, these people are making you feel terrible for living the faith as I have taught you, which is in accordance with the gospel, in accordance with what Jesus taught me, in, in, in accordance with what the disciples have taught me. They can't do that. And they can't do that because if they do that to you, they have to mess with me. And here's mm-hmm. what I've got. You know, it's, it, and it doesn't match up to theirs. Mine's better. Mm-hmm. If they think they have the right, I have more of the right. And they can't touch it. Right. They can't touch me. They, they, they can try and go toe-to-toe with me, but they cannot do it. Mm-hmm. And if they want to, I will, because that's how much he wants to protect the church from this, from this type of teaching. But, yeah, Paul just topples the whole thing down when he says that the only thing that matters is Jesus. That's all that matters. And that's the same for us. When we get our when we get ourselves in that compare type of a, of a of a mindset of, you know, well, Eric can do this. Eric tied rebar. I don't know how to tie rebar. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That's not a gift that I have. That doesn't make me less than you. That doesn't do anything to our status before God because we both believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. You know, and you can look at Jenna and say, oh, she can just sit down and play anything and not ever practice. And I can't do that. I can't do that either. That doesn't mean that she's, I mean, she means that she's a better piano player, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that she's a better Christian. No offense, Jenna. Mm-hmm. But, it be, but what matters is that we all believe in Jesus. And that's what Paul is trying to say is so impressed upon the church so that they can feel better about themselves and feel more whole in their identity as, as Jesus followers. You know, he says, I have all of these advantages, all of these skills, all of these things that are true about who I am, and none of them mean anything. They are waste. But in the Greek, it, gives, it gets even more graphic because the Greek word is skubalon, and the word skubalon literally means poop. Paul calls these things literal crap compared to everything else that he now knows in Jesus. Yeah, so we literally, we go nowhere without the grace of God and the gift of Jesus. Yeah. And so we just need to be thankful in the gifts that we've been given and that other people have been given. Mm -hmm. And identify, and I think we struggle with this too, is identifying our own gifts and identifying the gifts in others and how those gifts can work together. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And make a, better church yeah or make a better place for mm-hmm. well make a better world yes absolutely in you know to tie back to the movie like when mirabelle i mean she clearly has gifts that are not like the gifts that her family has mm-hmm. but we see her exhibit such a deep compassion and such a deep love that antonio the young boy that gets his gift at the very start of the movie and now we can talk to animals like Antonio will not go through the ceremony without Mirabel by his side mm-hmm. because she means that much to him because of the care and compassion that Mirabel has shown him throughout his entire life. Mm-hmm. And so, and then also, I mean, the way that she talks about her, her dad being, you know, kind of a accident prone, but meaning well, or the way that she gushes over how magnificent her mom is, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, if you think that's amazing, imagine being related to her. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of the basically one of the lines of the of the song that we listened to on Sunday. You know, 
She has shown this deep care and this deep compassion for all of her family. And so, yeah, she can't talk to animals or lift up a bridge or carry a donkey or make flowers appear or heal people, but she still has a gift. Yeah. And it's identifying those things in us. I was having a conversation with someone um, today even, and she was just like, well, I was thinking about my own life and thinking about people around me and, oh my gosh, they can do this and, oh my gosh, they can do that and I can't do those things, but Pastor Clay told me I had a gift, so I have to keep looking for it. (sighs) When, like, I can look at your life for for 10 minutes and just say you have the gift of hospitality and you have the gift of helping and you have, you know, I see seven or eight gifts. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're good at seeing it in other people and not always the best at seeing it in ourselves. You know, that's why this, like you mentioned at the start of this, but, you know, the story that I told at the start of the sermon, that's why there has such a, such a universal experience. We've all been there. When there's something that we want so badly to be able to do, and then someone does it way better than we do, it's hard to see past that. But yet, that's what we're called to do. That's what Mirabelle, that's what Encanto challenges us to do, and that's what, you know, bigger than that, that's what the gospel challenges us to do. Should we talk about Bruno now? Yeah. I feel like we should talk about Yeah, Bruno. let's talk about Bruno. First of all, we this is a really good movie. Bruno. And yes, the, it is. The songs are just addicting. They are, yes. I couldn't tell you how many times I've watched it, and I still don't hate watching it, so mm-hmm. that's good. Yes. But anyway, yeah, Bruno. Yeah, we've gone on some family drives, and like Lindsay will turn this on because we have Spotify. She'll turn on the mm-hmm. soundtrack and... Yeah, it's, it doesn't. No one dis. No, no one dis, dis disappointed when that happens. Mm-hmm. Nope. So, so Bruno. Yes. His gift is the gift of prophecy, and he's pretty much mm-hmm. kicked out of the family because all of his prophecies, prophecies, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. are viewed as negative. Yes. And no one wants him around because they feel like he brings a bad, mm-hmm. bad omen to the family. Yep. Um. Let's flip that narrative around. Hmm. Just because people perceive our gifts to be in a certain place does not mean that they are. Right. And just because people think that our gifts mean a certain thing doesn't mean that they do. You know, like the We Don't Talk About Bruno song, it's Pepe's wedding day and the weather is fantastic and she can control the weather and, you know, Bruno says, hey, it looks like clouds, you know, and then it starts raining. Mm-hmm. And then that's obviously Bruno caused that, mm-hmm. you know. But did he though? Like, right. is that just a thing that happened though? Right? You know, we can have worldly gifts that people think align with our spiritual gifts. Like, I mean, I have a I have a friend of mine that would tell a story about a uh, an, an accountant in her church, and you know, everyone looks at the accountant and says, "Well, obviously, you, you want to be on financial committee, financial committee." Mm-hmm. That's really that's clearly where you're supposed to be because you have these gifts from outside of the church that transfer really well into the church, and the guy's like. Ugh. Put me anywhere else. Put me anywhere else. Just because you perceive that I have these financial gifts because of what I do in the real world, and yes, it's true, but that's what I do for work 40 hours a week. That's not what I want to do when I come to church. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy wanted to swing a hammer. The guy wanted to build things with his hands and not, you know, sit behind a spreadsheet for, mm-hmm. you know, what he did for work. That was not necessarily, I mean, it, you know, it it was still what he wanted to do with his professional life, but not what he wanted in his spiritual life. Right. And I think that we, not just the church, I think that we ourselves could even fall in that trap. 
you know, of we can look at someone and say, hey, you would be so awesome in X, Y, Z, even though that's not what their skills are. You know, like every teacher in the world is like, if they're involved in the church, everyone's like, oh, well, you teach, so you can teach Sunday school. That's not not what people want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that may be what they choose to do as a profession, and that is them living out their calling. But yet, you know, if you're doing that professionally, that's maybe, maybe the last thing they want to actually turn around and do. I think that we so quickly pigeonhole people the way that Bruno's family pigeonholed him that, you know, not that we drive people away, but also sometimes we drive people away. And, you know, we have to be mindful of the fact that, you know, people we're not in charge we the church are not in charge of how people interpret their spiritual gifts mm-hmm. like as a pastor it is absolutely my job to help you discover what those things are and how they relate to the church but just because you can do it outside of this place doesn't mean that you have to do it inside this place the exception i know that proves the rule is a friend of mine named deb who was a nurse in her community for literally ever um and she, when we talked one time about spiritual gifts and spiritual gifting, she said, you know what I would really want to do after I retire and spend a little bit of time retired, I want to be a parish nurse. I want to figure out a way to do blood pressure checks, to figure out a way to like talk through. If, pe- if people want just a, another voice in their medical decisions, I want to be that for somebody. And like, I love that because it would have been such a, it, I mean, it ended up not working out because she never retired um, before I moved. Um, but um, it would have been such a nice way of initiating a new ministry into the church that we had not done before. Mm-hmm. But yet that was where her heart was. And, and sometimes just because we interpret ourselves that we have a certain spiritual gift um, and we maybe don't see a place for it, I think that they're, rather than treating people like Bruno and sending them off, I think we need to get creative in how we think about things and find places and find ways that make people's, you know, that, that resonate with people's giftings to make them feel like they have a, you know, and not even just feel like they have a place, but to let them have a place here in the church. With Bruno's gift, Mm -hmm. they were so quick to jump to the negative. Mm -hmm. We're so, at times when we, say meet someone for the first time or right. or interact with someone we're so quick to jump to the negative and then mm-hmm. we never want them we almost send them off because yeah. or away from us because we don't we don't perceive the value that they have mm-hmm. we don't give them the chance right to fully express their gift yep in this in this setting mm-hmm. um, we need to work to steer away from that i agree i agree I think we need to work to see to see the whole person as well mm-hmm. and not just see the value that they can add to the church but you know the value that that their faith can add to them you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah one of the things i appreciate about the movie um in when they bestow the gift when, when the gifts are bestowed upon people um is that they have to take a vow that they're going to use their gifts for the common good and for the good of the family and for the good of the community and like, I think that when we discover our spiritual gifts, we should have to take a similar vow. Like we can sometimes either ignore them or hoard them, mm-hmm. you know? And like when you're taking a vow in front of your abuela to like use your gift, that that's powerful, you know? There's a way that we squander our gifts in a way that would not have been acceptable in the family madrigal. Mm-hmm. Like 
Louisa, I mean, of all the characters, Louisa's gift is on display the most. Mm-hmm. Like every scene, she's moving a thing. She's holding a piano. She's throwing a church on her shoulders. She's moving a bridge. She's getting the donkeys. Like you can't have a gift like that and then just lay it down and just do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. And that's scriptural. Like that's the that's the parable of the talents. You know, like yes, in the parable of the talents, a talent is a sum of money, but yet it's still the parable of the talents mm-hmm. in a different application. It's what do we do with the talents that we do have? And how do we grow those yeah. talents? You know, I think that there is a a way that we do not fully engage in our spiritual gifts in the life of the church. And like, that's just as true of, you know, in some regards, that's just as true of pastors because we get so set in our job is X, Y, Z, where our gifting may hint at, you know, J and and H and, you know, and O, but yet we are still so stuck on XYZ being the way that we have to do things. Maybe it's seminary training, maybe it's experience, maybe it's whatever, but like there is a way for us as pastors that we need to break out of boxes in the same way it is for, as it is for parishioners. But there's just a way that we, that we don't utilize our gifts in a way that does good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just think that there is some power to how the movie displays that for us, um, and and it illustrates the what the what that can look like, you know, to to really say, okay, I have these gifts, you know, and like Abuela takes it to the extreme of you know the community depends on us and we have to do the things for the community all the time always, which ends up not being true at the end of the movie, you know, spoilers. Um, but you know, I think that there is a way for the church to harness that and realize and, and help people realize once you know what your spiritual gifts are, there's an implicit challenge to find ways to use those spiritual gifts. I think there's also an implicit challenge to find ways to use our gifts of the flesh to enhance our faith community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For instance, our finances, if you are blessed, I mean, we're called, we're blessed with money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, to give it back. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we are called to be faithful stewards of with that which God has entrusted us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that can be money, that can be spiritual gifts, that can be, you know, there's really, there's really no end of application to, to that tenet of our faith. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard to do. It is. But it comes, it, you know, it's a comfort thing too. Mm-hmm. But good things come from stepping out of our comfort zone. Absolutely. And we don't like to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. It's much easier to operate from a scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. And that can end up biting us in the butt if we're not careful. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. What's next week? Yeah. Uh, so next week, we're going to be talking about directors. Um, we're okay. going to be looking at a Pixar short called Lou. Um, and the, the sentence that I wrote that I'm the most proud of so far in my sermon is that Lou is a sweatshirt. It's filled with lost and found items. Um, and have you seen the Pixar? Mm-mm. Have you seen that Pixar short? I okay, not. It's really good. I highly recommend it. Obviously, I'm using it in the sermon series. Um, but Lou starts to direct the he kind of takes control of the lost and found items. 
Um, after kids go in for recess, we find Lou kind of slinking around and making sure the lost and found items get found, put into the lost and found and then kind of arranges them so they're easier to see. Um, and then what happens in the, the development of this character is that there's a bully on the playground that starts to take you because know, Lou wants all the toys to get reunited with, with, with their owners. Lou wants the lost and found to be empty. Um, and Lou starts to direct. See, he sees this bully taking stuff that does not belong to him. And Lou gets kind of mad. Like you can see two baseballs slink into his, into his hood to become angry eyes. Um, and Lou starts to direct this bully to make better choices. Lou starts direct, to direct this bully to give all of these toys back because Lou finds out that this bully's teddy bear is in the lost and found. And to get it back, he has to go and give all the stuff that he has stolen back to the kids that he stole it from. And if that's not, an, if that's not a picture of what God does in our lives, I don't know what else is. Like, God is the one who directs us. Mm -hmm. God is the one who leads us away from our sin, leads us in right paths for his name's sake. Like he is the one that leads us away from our sin, you know, and, and leads us away from making the choices that he would not have us to make. And so we're going to be looking at the way that Lou directs the bully. And we're also going to be asking the question of where we find ourselves in the story. Like, are we, you know, the lost toy? Are we the little kid? Are we the bully? Which I know is really hard for us to think about because all of us want to be Lou. Like we all mm -hmm. want to be that savior. We all want to be that, that guiding. We want, to be, we want to be the director. But yet it takes a massive dose of humility to put ourselves in a different position and to realize that we are not the director. We are the directed in, mm -hmm. in our lives of faith. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Me too. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on the Cup for Time podcast. Join us again next week uh, for the sermon on Lou, the Disney short, uh, here at the church at 10 a.m. or back here on the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.